Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Sons Podcast, hosted by G2. I am your host, G2. I am here to give you the Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, AEW, Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, before I start off with anything, I just want to let everybody know that my voice is a little bit uh, sore right now. I have a hoarse voice going on right now. So if you hear me in flux, like it sounds one way and it sounds another way, just want to let that be known. I am hoarse a little bit, so please bear with me. Anyway, let's start with Monday Night Raw. Raw opens up with the Kevin Owens show, and it's him and Seth Rollins out here. They're still doing the whole buddy-buddy situation, and the main reason they're out here is to talk about how they are planning to win the Raw Tag Team Championships next week, so they will not be screwed out of not being on WrestleMania, which leads to bring on their guest, Alpha Academy, the Raw Tag Team Champions. They all start getting into a discussion about the Raw Tag Team Championships, and Alpha Academy calls Seth and KO selfish because they have had WrestleMania moments, they've had WrestleMania matches, while Alpha Academy has never been on WrestleMania. Well, Chad said he'd never been on WrestleMania, but Otis did. But I really want to consider that because that was in 2020, pandemic era of WrestleMania, so, and it doesn't count. Anyway, it leads to a big old shout match between uh, KO and uh, Chad Gable. And then Kevin Owens ends up stunning Chad Gable. And then we end up with a tag team match after this with Alpha Academy going against Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. Seth and KO would win the match by pinfall when KO and Seth hit a combo on Gable, which was... Kevin Owens hit a pop-up on Gable into Rollins, grabbing him and hitting a buckle bomb. Then leads to Kevin Owens hitting a stunner, which follows up with the finishing touch of Seth Rollins hitting a stomp on Chad Gable for the win. So this gives Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins some uh, better momentum into their matchup next week for the Raw Tag Team Championships. After this, we will have Omos going against T-Bar. Omos will win the match by pinfall when Omos attacked T-Bar before the match. And literally, as soon as the match begins, you only get Omos beating up on T-Bar for a little bit. And then it ends with Omos double choke slamming uh, T-Bar for the win. After this, we have a six-woman tag team matchup. The teams of Becky Lynch, Dewdrop, and Nikki A.S.H. going against Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Rhea Ripley. Bianca's team will win the match by pinfall when Bianca will hit the KOD on Nikki for the win. However, towards the end of the match, you would see Becky grab Bianca Belair's uh, ponytail, and Bianca decided to hit Becky repeatedly in her midsection with the ponytail, which left Becky with some welts on her abs. And this is the first time in a long time, at least for me, I remember Bianca using her ponytail. The last time I can remember her doing that was, what, last year? Her having her match with Sasha Banks, or probably her in the... Bailey storyline like last year but other than that I don't remember her using her braid since then so it's good for them to bring that back anyway after this we had Tommaso Chapo going against Bobby Roode with Dolph Ziggler in his corner Tommaso will win the match by pinfall when Dolph will get on the ring apron and Tommaso need him in the face this allowed for the distraction of Bobby Roode to try to attack Tommaso from behind but Tommaso will move out of the way and quickly roll up Bobby Roode for the win. After the match, Roode attacks Tommaso from behind, which led Dolph Ziggler to get in the ring. They proceeded to lead a 2-1-1 beatdown, ending with Roode holding up Tommaso so Dolph could superkick Tommaso Ciampa. So after this, we would get our mixed tag team matchup of the night. Dana Brooke and Reggie going against Akira Tozawa and Nia Jax. Reggie and Dana will win the match when Reggie hits a flipping senton on Akira Tozawa for the win. 
they're still continuing this whole 24-7 uh, love story between Dana and Reggie because after the match, Dana started kissing Reggie in the ring. And after the match, you saw Akira Tozawa get holed up by Nia Jax and Nia Jax kiss Akira Tozawa. I get it. Again, this is nothing but the kill time. But eh, I wish they would hurry up with this. After this, we have the Mysterios going against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Cedric and Shelton would win the match by pitfall thanks to The Miz when Dominic uh, threw Shelton back into the ring and The Miz came out of nowhere and grabbed Dominic's foot. This led to Ray chasing Miz into the audience and this distraction allowed Shelton Benjamin to roll up Dominic for the win. Again, this is another match that's setting up uh, The Miz and Logan Paul going against the Mysterios at WrestleMania. Again, I'm not wishing anything bad about the matchup. I know they're going to do something good because it's WrestleMania. It's Rey Mysterio and his son. This is Dominic's first mania. And I expect Logan Paul to at least pull out some type of moves. Again, he has amateur wrestling background. So I, I expect to see something out of Logan Paul. I know he's going to be a cocky, arrogant douche. But I, I'm looking to see something. Anyway, after this, we have RK Bro going against the Street Profits in a tag team matchup. The Street Profits will win the match by pinfall when Montez Ford hit Orton with a frog splash. And Orton was supposed to get his foot on the bottom rope, but uh, the referee made the count and Orton's foot couldn't reach the bottom rope. The thing with this match was it was reported that uh, RK Bro was supposed to win the match, but the frog splash from Montez Ford knocked the win out of Orton, so Orton was kind of breathless, so he couldn't, like, make the shoulder go up. So, again, hey, whatever happened, happened. It's cool. They say it's reported that uh, Montez Ford has no type of heat or nobody's upset at Montez Ford. They just take it as, hey, it's live television. Stuff happens. So, I'm glad to see that nobody has a problem with Montez Ford. Again, another great superstar in the making, especially in the future. After this, we have the United States Championship matchup. Finn Balor going against champion Damian Priest. Finn Balor wins the match by pinfall, which I didn't think was going to happen when Damian was about to hit the reckoning on Finn, but Finn counted out of it, out of it and hit the Nightmare on Helm Street, followed by him hitting the shotgun dropkick, then the coup de grace for the win. After the match, Damian would get a mic, and he told Finn point blank that the fans carried Finn throughout this match. The fans cheered on Finn the way that they never cheered on Damian throughout his whole time during his championship reign, even though he busted his ass. And he told Finn point blank that he's going to beat Finn to regain back his United States championship. And when he does all those cheers that the fans have been giving him, they will go away. So then you got Finn and Damian go nose to nose and Damian hits a clothesline on Finn. And boy, was that a stiff clothesline if I've seen one. Damian then throws Finn to the outside of the ring and he hits the razor's edge on Finn, on the announce table, and that was the end of that little segment. I didn't like the ending of it, where he had to raise his edge, Finn, on the announce table. I didn't like that at all. Because WWE, I have a feeling, have a, like, cautionary tale on Finn ever since he got injured literally in the match for the Universal Championship in 2016 against Seth. I think WWE's been cautious on wanting to put a belt back on him. Ever since he got to the main roster, and people might say, well, he won the Intercontinental title. Yeah, but the Intercontinental title did nothing. I have a feeling that he took it off of Damian Priest. We're supposed to get a secondary, like, chance for Finn because Raw has always been Vince's baby. SmackDown, not so much, even though Roman is the guy carrying 
the whole entire company. So seeing Finn in the spot with the United States Championship is great, but I would have loved them not to have Razor's Edge Finn on the announce table just so he can always stay healthy. That's just my little flaw with that. Anyway, now we get to the main event segment of the night, which is who is going to answer his Edge challenge for a match at WrestleMania. Edge comes out. He says, all right, who's going to step up? He waits a little bit. AJ Styles' music hits. AJ comes out. Edge tells AJ that he wants the Bulldog, not Omos's tag team. Well, little girl. He says the B word, but you get the drift. AJ looks at Edge and asks him, is that what you think of me? And then you see Edge attacks AJ, and he starts beating him up in the corner. AJ was able to strike back and hit an enziguri on Edge, which knocks Edge down a little bit. AJ would go on the outside. He gets on the ring apron, and he was looking to hit a phenomenal forearm. But Edge moves out of the way. AJ goes rolling over to Edge, and Edge decides to kick AJ directly in the nuts. AJ starts to crumble underneath Edge, and you start seeing Edge hit a different look on his face. Circa 2005, 2006, like he just stared off into the space. And now you're starting to realize that Edge has turned into a different dimension. You're starting to see Rated R Edge come back. Edge will proceed to go outside the ring, get two chairs, and you know where we're leading with this. We get a concerto. He hits two of them on AJ to close out the show. So we're getting heel Edge back. So that's going to be a great match at WrestleMania between him and AJ. And I'm hoping that we finally get uh, AJ's WrestleMania moment with this. I know Edge can deliver the goods. So let's see where that takes us next week on Raw between him and uh, AJ Styles. Anyway, that was your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now on to NXT. It is announced that next week we will have an NXT special on USA Television called NXT Roadblock. And the matches that are set up for next week are um, the triple threat match for the NXT World Championship, Braun Breaker going against Tommaso Ciampa and Dolph Ziggler. The NXT Tag Team Championship matchup, Diamond Mind going against Imperium, as well as Grayson Waller going against LA Knight in a last man standing match. Anyway, let's start the show. Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa start the show off going against the Dirty Dogs. Bobby Roode comes out with his old glorious theme song and the glorious entrance of him standing on the podium, spinning him around. And then you see Tommaso Ciampa come out wearing the Steiner gear, uh, Steiner neon gear, the same one that Braun Breaker is wearing to make it a unified tag team. Braun and Tommaso will win the match by pinfall when Tommaso hits the fairy tale ending on Dolph for the win. Uh, this match was really, really fast-paced. It was a great start off to NXT. You have Braun hitting Dolph with a nasty spear, and then you have Braun and Tommaso hit the Steiner's uh, tag team finish on Dolph, which was an elevated bulldog. I mean, this was a good tag team match to start off NXT. If you got time, I suggest please watch that matchup and also watch the ending as well as uh, Carmelo Hayes going against Pete Dunne for the North American Championship. Anyway. Going on with the show, we get the quarterfinals of the women's tag team. Does the tag team classic, uh, Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai going against Indy Harwell and Persia Parada. Wendy and Dakota will win the match by pinfall when Dakota hits the pump kick on Persia. Then Wendy Chu hits a body splash on Persia. Then Dakota Kai ends it off with a double stomp on Persia for the win. So Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu do advance to the semifinals of the women's Dusty Tag Team Classic. After this, 
We will have Amiri Miller going against Lash Legend. Lash Legend will win the match by pinfall. When Lash will hit the Widowmaker on Amari for the win. Uh, the Widowmaker was a name for the move that she did use, and that was the move that Sean O'Hare finished off his opponents in WCW and also in WWE in 2003. That's the reason why I call it the Widowmaker. Anyway, the commentary for this match was talking about how Lash Legend wasn't happy about Nikita Lyons getting everybody's attention last week. So Lash Legend looked directly into the camera after this match and said that she is the next breakout star in NXT, not Nikita Lyons. So this tells you that they're setting up for a program with Nikita and Lash Legend. Also, uh, get well Amari Miller because Amari did suffer a concussion in this matchup. So I just want to wish her uh, some well thoughts as well. Anyway, after this, we have Solo Sokoa going against Gunther. Gunther will win the match by pinfall when Solo had the match won when he went to the top turnbuckle when he was looking to hit the body splash, but Gunther moved out of the way and Solo hit the mat. Once that happened, Gunther locked in the sleeper hold and Solo Sokoa was locked in the sleeper hold and then he started fading. He drops to his knees. Gunther lets go of the hold and hits a nasty chop to the back of Solo Sokoa uh, behind the head and then locks in the sleeper hold again. Now, as Solo is slowly losing consciousness, Gunther turns Solo around and hits a powerbomb twice for the win. This was a big Haas match between Solo Sokoa and Gunther. If you do have time, please check out this match as well. I forgot about this match, but after reading what I wrote down, I remembered it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to. Yeah, look after that one, too. After this, we had Draco Anthony going against Harlan with Joe Gacy in his corner. Harlan will win the match by pitfall when Harlan hit a back suplex slash side slam for the win. Nothing more really to say about this. The only thing that happened like after this was Harlan picked up Draco and we thought he was going to do something to him. But Harlan hugged Draco Anthony, then let go, and then him and Joe Gacy walked out of the ring. After this matchup, we had another quarterfinals matchup of the Women's Dusty Tag Team Classic. Mikel Gonzalez and Cora Jade going against Ulyssa Leon and Valentina Flores. Raquel and Cora J will win the match by pinfall when Raquel hits the Chokina bomb on Valentina, then lifts up Cora to slam her on top of Valentina for the win. So with this happening, it will give us Raquel and Cora J going against Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai in one of the matches for the semifinals of the Women Dusty Tag Team Classics. I'm not sure if it's happening next week. They didn't announce it, but it could happen. After this, we had Andre Chase with Bodie Hayward going against Von Wagner with Robert Stone in his corner. Von Wagner will win the match by pitfall when he hits the Death Valley driver on Andre Chase for the win. They should have scrapped this match. I'm not even going to try to even hate on it. I wanted Pete Dunne and Carmelo Hayes to have more time than they got. I mean, they had about 13 minutes. I wanted them to get about a good 20, but hey, they ended up pulling off a great match anyway at the end. Speaking of, the main event for NXT it was the North American Championship matchup. Pete Dunne going against champion Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in his corner. Carmelo will win the match by pinfall thanks to Trick Williams sacrificing himself. What I mean by that was whenever both Melo and Pete Dunne were on the top turnbuckle, they're fighting against each other. Trick Williams got on the ring apron. He distracted Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne grabbed Trick Williams' hands and snapped Trick's fingers. This allowed Melo to push Pete Dunne off the top turnbuckle. 
Pete hits the mat, and this allowed Carmelo to hit the diving leg drop to the back of Pete Dunne's head for the win. After the match, Carmelo Hayes would get the microphone and announce, at Stand and Deliver in Dallas, Texas, he will be defending the North American Championship in a ladder match the exact same way that the North American Championship was introduced to the world back in, I believe, 2017 in New Orleans for NXT TakeOver. Yeah, in 2017. So if I had to speculate the men were never going to be in this ladder match, it was probably going to be Carmelo, obviously, Pete Dunne, Cameron Grimes, uh, probably Tony D'Angelo. I don't know the other two. Those are the four that I got. I don't know the other two men that's going to be taking that spot, but it's going to be a great ladder match. I do know that because Carmelo always shows out when it's time for Big uh, matches. Pete Dunn is always able to show off when he got to do it. I know uh, Cameron Grimes is going to show off because it's a ladder match, and the last ladder match he was in was with LA Knight, and that was, was that last year? Yeah, that was last year. Last year with LA Knight, and they had a, a solid ladder match, but Cameron Grimes took some nasty bumps in that, so I can see him being the bumpy guy in that ladder match. But again, I can see that ladder match being great, but we'll have to see who the men will be competing in that ladder match. And more or less, probably they'll announce, start announcing next week. But anyway, that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now it's time for AEW Dynamite. Dynamite opens up with a big announcement from Tony Khan as he's standing in the ring with Tony Schiavone. And the gist of this big announcement is that Tony Khan is the new owner of Ring of Honor, which is a great thing. Ring of Honor has been in business for 20 years before it decided to close the door in December, technically, but they are having a show on April the 1st, April the 1st, I believe, or April 4th, one of those two, I believe, hold on one second, it is April 1st, they will be having a card called Super Card of Honor, so I think now with this whole thing being Tony Khan's baby now, I can see them having AEW guys at that event and even wrestling at that event to keep the name of ring of honor alive especially with ring of honor doing a uh what they just start doing the hall of fame for their guys and the introductions or the briscoes brian danielson punk and samoa joe two of those names two out of the four inductees are already working for AEW. brian danielson and cm punk so i can see uh them showing up at ring of honor and then we could get a big uh program going out on Ring of Honor that will be overly drafted over into AEW. And then you can start seeing Ring of Honor guys uh, get popped up into AEW business. But we'll have to see whatever that happens. I just want to say congratulations to Tony Khan for owning Ring of Honor. And that includes their library and a lot of other things too. But again, congratulations to Tony Khan. After this, we get the first match of the night. And it has two of Ring of Honor originals. Brian Danielson going against Christopher Daniels. They both abide by the code of honor to start off, which is both men shaking hands to begin the match off. And Brian Danielson wins the match by KO when Daniels, Christopher Daniels, looks at the BME, the best move sold ever. But Brian moves out of the way, and Brian then locks in Christopher Daniels for the triangle choke. And Christopher Daniels passes out, so the referee has to call for the bell. After the match, Brian gets on the mic. It tells the crowd that at Ring of Honor, after a match, you will end up shaking your opponent's hand to abide by the Code of Honor rules. So, Brian ends up 
grabbing Christopher Daniels' hand, shaking it, and then he holds it. And then he looks into the audience and he says, we're not in Ring of Honor. We're in AEW. And it's time for somebody to get their head kicked in. So Brian then starts stomping out Christopher Daniels' head. And once he gets done with that, Brian calls out Moxley. Moxley comes out. He gets in the ring. Moxley basically tells Brian that at Revolution, his story doesn't end there. He will be writing a new chapter and closing another old chapter. And he'll be writing the new chapter in Blood, the American Dragon's Blood. So we're going to see more or less Brian Danielson and probably John Moxley busted open at Revolution uh, tomorrow on Sunday. So I'm going to be personally looking forward to that because those two, I know, are going to deliver a solid of a matchup. After this, we have a casino tag team battle royale. Winning team gets a second slot into the triple threat tag team match at Revolution for the AEW Tag Team Championships. The winners of this matchup were the Young Bucks when it came down to Darius Carter returning uh, and him representing Top Flight and Matt Jackson representing the Young Bucks were the last two men, and they were fighting on the ring apron. Matt happened to kick Darius in the nuts, then super kicked him off the apron. So there you go. So at Revolution, it will be the Young Bucks going against Red Dragon, going against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy for the AEW Tag Team Championships. And I'll give you my uh, predictions before this episode is over with, too, who I think is going to win at Revolution. After this, it's time for the biggest thing that everybody basically talked about for throughout this whole entire week. It is CM Punk's in-ring promo. CM Punk comes out. He looks exhausted. He's wearing a white t-shirt. I want you guys to remember what I just said right there. He talks about waking up in the morning and he splashes water on his face and he asks himself, am I the bad guy? Punk talks about how MJF came out last week and bared his soul to the people, but he has a feeling that he might be getting gaslighted. So Punk says that he feels that MJF is telling the truth. But where they differ is that when Punk met his idol, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and people said that Steve Austin went home, Punk didn't become bitter and start hurting people. And Punk then starts listing off the things MJF has done since Punk has been in AEW. And he mentions MJF punching Dean Malenko, who has Parkinson's, burying, saying mean things about Brian Pillman Sr., saying horrible things about Darby Allen's uncle who happened to have passed away. Punk then goes on to say that he isn't Dr. Frankenstein and he wants MJF to come out here so they can have a talk man to man. MJF comes out and he's wearing a white suit, but like with some pink type of uh, business uh, shirt on. And Punk tells MJF that he used to be like MJF, a guy so bitter, so angry and did a lot of things. Two people and Punk list off pouring ashes of a legendary manager onto a legendary wrestler. He talked about him doing that to Undertaker whenever Paul Bear uh, passed away in 2013. Um, making fun of someone else's substance abuse until that person ultimately lost their job. He's talking about whenever he did his feud where with Jeff Hardy in 2009. And Jeff Hardy ultimately left WWE in 2009. Um, Punk then tells MGF that all that hate that you have in you is going to burn only you on the inside. And then Punk extends his hand out to MGF so he can shake his hand and says, I'm trying to be a better person and hopefully we can do this together. He sticks his hand out. MGF hugs him. 
Punk hugs MGF back. MGF stands a distance from Punk. He says, looks at Punk, and he says, thank you, before kicking Punk directly in the nuts. And boy, oh boy, did the fans boo MGF. And MGF's true color comes out. He grabs Punk, hits him with the heat sinker, and then he rips open his shirt. And you see him wearing a white shirt with the photo of him meeting CM Punk as a small child on that shirt. He then waves out for his boys to come out, the pinnacle. You see Warlow give MGF his diamond ring, and you see MGF punch Punk in the face, which makes Punk starts to bleed. Then you see uh, MGF tell Sean Spears to wrap the dog collar around CM Punk's neck, which Sean Spears does. They throw Punk over the top rope, and now they have a hold on Punk using that chain. And MGF gets a mic, and he tells Punk, Stupid old man, I'm a snake. The greatest trick the devil played was making the people believe he doesn't exist. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a reference to when Punk turned his back on the Ring of Honor audience in 2005 when he won the Ring of Honor Championship. And this was whenever Punk was about to sign his deal to the WWE. This was whenever people now known as the Summer of Punk. So he made a reference to Punk's time before he had to leave. And MJF tells Punk that at Revolution, he is the devil, and he's going to show everyone how much of a devil he truly is. Then he tells Spears to start yanking on the chain, so now we're starting to see Punk gasp for air as Sean Spears is yanking on the chain. And by the way, Punk is bleeding, and I mean, he's heavily bleeding. You have Punk's white shirt being covered in blood. You have MJF's shirt has some blood markings on it. He even takes blood from CM Punk's face and rubs it on his own t-shirt, and then Sammy, De- Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Instinct come out to send the pinnacle running, and that's the end of this segment. This was a great segment, a home run segment to me. I knew, and we all knew that MGF's true color was going to come out, but to the degree of Punk getting as much blood, I didn't expect it until I saw Punk with a white t-shirt, and then it kind of made me like, okay, somebody's going to bleed. And then when I saw MJF with a straight white suit on, I was like, oh, yeah, it's bleeding time. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, if somebody's wearing white and you're not in the WWE, you are going to bleed. And you're trying to make that blood pop because any type of color on white pops that color extremely big time. So I was able to spot that. And me watching wrestling so long, I knew what was going to happen once I saw white from both men. So, again... This is going to be a great match of Revolution. I can't wait to see it. After this, we have Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter going against Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez will win the match by pinfall, where Mercedes took out both Rebel and Hayter, and this allowed Rosa to hit the Thunder Driver on Britt for the win. So this gives Thunder Rosa some momentum into her match with Britt Baker at Revolution. After this, we had Warlow with Sean Spears in his corner going against Cesar Bononi. Warlow wins the match by pinfall by hitting the three power bombs in a row for the win. After the match, Sean Spears gets in the ring and he wants to swing a chair at Caesar, but Warlow stops him. Sean Spears looks at Warlow and they start getting face to face, and you can see Warlow starting to get more pissed off and more pissed off. So Spears has to take a step back and walks away. You think this will end it, but no. Later in the night, we will have a backstage interview segment where Sean Spears tells Warlow, hey man, listen, I'm just trying to look out for you as a big brother, but Max wants to tell you something. 
So you see MJF walk over to Warlow. He's still wiping the blood off of his fingers. He tells Warlow, hey, man, listen, I got something to tell you. Once you win the face of Revolution ladder match and you get your TNT championship opportunity, you can have that. And if you win, you can keep the TNT title. And then before MJF walks away fully, he says, it's not like you're going to win it anyway. And then Warlow has had a smart remark to MJF and says, well, if I don't win, it's because I'm trying to make sure that you always win. MJF comes back and he smacks the fire out of Warlow's face. And he tells Warlow point blank, you're not hired by AEW, you're hired by me. Any more smart mark remarks, you will be fired. Your family will be living out in the streets, and I'll make sure of it. You see, MJF walks away. So this tells me that Warlow's going to play a part in the whole punk and MJF dynamic at Revolution, which, again, should be great to see. Now it's time for the main event of AEW Dynamite. The trio's six-man tag team matchup. It is Adam Cole and Red Dragon going against the AEW World Champion, Hangman Page, and John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Adam Cole and Red Dragon will win the match by pitfall, but Adam super kicks Alex Reynolds, then hits the boom, which is a running knee drop to the behind the head of Alex Reynolds for the win. After the match, Adam Cole continues to attack Alex Reynolds until Hangman gets to the ring and starts attacking Adam Cole. Red Dragon then jumps on Hangman. Adam Cole gets duct tape. They duct tape Hangman to the ropes so Hangman can watch Adam Cole and Red Dragon beat up on John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Cole hits Alex with the Panama Sunrise while John Silver gets hit by the high-low, which is the Red Dragon's tag team finish. Adam Cole then starts getting in the face of the Hangman. He starts mocking him and taunting him. Hangman ends up headbutting Adam in the face, which leads to Adam super-kicking Hangman, and then he grabs the AEW World title, Place it on Hangman and he tells him, this doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. So, again, this is giving Adam Cole some momentum going into their match of Revolution. And this one should be an interesting matchup. And I want to say this for AEW too, by the way. The only matchups that on this Revolution card that have been built up properly are the MGF and CM Punk. And mm, that's about it, if I'm going to be honest with you. Everything else has always been hot-shotted. People might disagree with me and say, well, Gerald, technically, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, they've been building that up almost for a whole entire year. Not really. They had their matchup at St. Patrick's Day last year. You haven't had them interact or touch each other until what? Uh, Towards, what, December? No, no, no. Yeah, right around December, January-ish. They start intermingling with each other. And we've just been kind of slowly building that up but not really talking about it. But then now towards what February, we're really trying to quickly pipe it up, pipe it up. Listen, the only person that you can do that with and get away with it is literally Eddie Kingston. Cause Eddie Kingston has the chops for it and TBS, TNT, AEW. They're not going to cut off Eddie Kingston's mic time. They're not going to cut off his backstage promo time. Now people were getting on Thunder Rosa for saying that you don't know how to talk, but she talks about how AEW has been cutting her, uh, backstage vignettes, their backstage promos. So she can talk, but apparently AEW cuts it. So again, listen, you got to give people enough time for their story to build and for the fans to resonate. I'm just glad that the AEW fan base loves Thunder Rosa a lot and they love this whole thing with her and Britt. This actually gets a pass. The world title, 
I'm not liking the buildup for Adam Cole in a hangman. I wish we could have worked on that for a couple months. But, hey, it is what it is. We're going to see how this unfolds. I will be giving my predictions before this uh, episode is over. But that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now it's time for Impact Wrestling. Impact opens up with Eddie Edwards going against Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin's trying to look for a measure of revenge since Eddie Edwards turned his back on Impact Wrestling. Macklin won with the match, but by disqualification, when Steve was beating up on Eddie Edwards, getting the upper hand, Eddie Edwards on the outside of the ring, Macklin grabs Edwards, but Eddie hits him with a kendo stick. The referee calls for the bell. Eddie gets in the ring, starts beating up on Macklin with the kendo stick until Team Impact comes down to the ring. Eddie starts going to making a retreat until Otter No More comes out on the stage. Maria gets on the mic and starts saying that she understands why Team Impact is upset. They're upset because they believe in the construct of honor where it doesn't exist. Heath says that is the most delusional crap he's ever heard. Vincent gets on the mic and tells Heath that he knows delusional because he used to work for delusional people. What Maria is saying isn't delusional. And Heath must be crazy to think that he's going to beat Moose at sacrifice to take the Impact title away from him. So then you get Heath challenging Vincent to a match right now. So that's where we land. Vincent with Honor No More in his corner. Going against Heath who has Team Impact in his corner. Heath will win the match by pinfall when he hits the wake-up call, which is a zigzag for the win. After the match, Honor No More comes into the ring and starts attacking Heath. And this continues to happen until Team Impact gets in the ring and starts attacking Honor No More. So now you have a brawl between these two teams. People start fighting in the ring. Then they start fighting outside of the ring until it's Heath and Matt Taven fighting in the ring. Heath has Taven in the corner beating him up until Moose comes to run into the ring. Moose thinks he can sneak attack Heath from behind. But Heath moves out of the way and Moose ends up hitting Taven. Heath takes this opportunity to hit Moose with the wake-up call and then covers him. Rich Wan gets in the ring. He counts the one, two, three to emulate Heath pinning Moose for the world championship to make this seem like this might be an image that we might see as sacrifice tonight. After this, we have Masha Slamovich going against Rachel Rose. Another squash match for Masha. Masha wins the match by pinfall when she hits the snow plow the Emerald Fusion driver for the win. They changed the name to Snowplow because obviously with Russia and Ukraine are going on in that situation. So they changed it from Russian uh, death device to the Snowplow. Again, smart idea because obviously what's going on in current times. After this, we have Madison Rain with Tennille Dashwood and Caleb in her corner going against Cassie Lee with Jesse McKay in her corner. If you don't know, I always got to re- remind you to you. Cassie Lee is a formerly Peyton Royce, and Jesse McKay is formerly known as Billy Kay of the Iconics in WWE, who are in WWE 2K22, which, hey, say what you want, they got a bag for it. Uh, Cassie will win the match by pinfall when Cassie hits the in spiral, which is a lift up spinning suplex on Madison Rain for the win. So this continues the inspiration and the influences beef right now, which I'm cool with. It's all over Caleb. So it's all over a dude and how the inspiration are treating. Well, not the inspiration, 
the influence of treating Caleb and the inspiration wants Caleb as a way just to toy with the inspiration. So again, I'm cool with that type of storytelling. After this, we had Tasha Steeles with Savannah Evans in her corner going against Chelsea Green. Tasha will win the match by pinfall thanks to Savannah Evans. Wanted to point this out. Mickey James was on commentary, and last week Chelsea Green told Mickey to not get involved in this matchup. So when the referee was distracted by Tasha Steeles in the ring, Savannah Evans was beating up on Chelsea Green outside of the ring, and Mickey James had to watch because she was reminded that Chelsea didn't want no help. So once Savannah got done beating up on Chelsea, Savannah threw Chelsea back into the ring, and Tasha Steeles went to the top turnbuckle, hit a frog splash for the win. So now Tasha Steeles will be going against Mickey James for the Impact Knockouts Championship at Sacrifice tonight. Also, I'll be giving you my predictions for that uh, event before today's episode is done with as well. This led to uh, Mickey James and Chelsea Green have a stare off, and Chelsea just looked at Mickey, and Mickey just looked at Chelsea. So this kind of could give you an idea of Chelsea might uh, get involved in that matchup with Tasha and Mickey James, and maybe cost Mickey James her best friend. Anyway, after this, we had Johnny Swinger going against Jonah. Jonah wins the match by pinfall. Jonah hits the tsunami for the win. After the match, Jonah was about to go up to the top turn, but go hit the tsunami again. But PCO comes out and he goes into the ring and meets Jonah in the ring. They get face to face. Jonah doesn't hesitate. He starts be punching on PCO in the face. PCO goes down. Jonah goes to the top turnbuckle, jumps off, hits the tsunami. Jonah gets up, starts brushing his shoulders, wiping the dust off himself, and he starts trying to get out of the ring. You see PCO rise up like the Undertaker, and he just starts yelling out, yeah. So Jonah looks at PCO, and he's shocked by this because no man has ever got up from the tsunami. And PCO is getting up, and PCO clotheslines Jonah over the top turnbuckle. So this is, again, giving you more insight and more build-up to their matchup at Sacrifice tonight. After this, we have the main event of Impact, an eight-man tag team matchup. Bullet Club, which consists of Jay White, Chris Bay, and the Impact Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, going against Violet by Design, who are represented by Diener and Joe Doring, and they're teaming up with Gorillas of Destiny. This was a regular eight-man tag match, but as soon as the bell rung, all eight of these guys got in the ring. They start battling, and it turns into a big brawl. You see security run in there to separate all four of these guys, all eight of these guys. And then you see Scott DeMore get out on the ring apron. Well, not the ring apron, the stage. And he says that this match can't happen tonight. The fans are booing. And then he says, he can't have, this match can't happen like this. So he makes this match a no disqualification match. And in the end, Bullet Club wins when Jay White hits the switchblade, well, Blade Runner on Diener on a steel chair in the middle of the ring for the win. Before this was able to happen, you had the Gorillas of Destiny finally about to get their hands on Jay White, but the Good Brothers start fighting with Gorillas of Destiny all the way to the back and even backstage. So at this point, you have a two camera. You have a camera that's locked in on what's going on backstage with the Gorillas of Destiny fighting the Good Brothers and what's going on in the middle of the ring. So 
we see Jay White win the match, and now we focus more to backstage. We see the Gorillas of Destiny and Gorilla, uh, Good Brothers still fighting with each other. You see them throwing the chairs at each other. You see them throwing uh, stage uh, storage crates at one, each other, and it leads off. It ends with basically the Good Brothers being uh, fleeting out of the arena by the Gorillas of Destiny. So this leads to Gorillas of Destiny more or less going to uh, fight the Good Brothers later on. But hey, we'll have to see what happens next week on Impact Wrestling. Uh, good episode. Nothing to complain about here. This is just a build up to their sacrifice event that's happening tonight. So again, great episode. Now on to SmackDown. SmackDown opens up, and it opens with the Intercontinental Championship matchup between the champion, Sami Zayn, going against the challenger, Ricochet. Ricochet will win the match by pinfall thanks to a distraction by Johnny Knoxville. When Ricochet and Sami Zayn were both on the outside of the ring, Johnny Knoxville music hits, and Knoxville started walking down towards the ring. Sami gets into the ring, and then you see Knoxville get on the ring apron. Sammy then rushes over to Knoxville. Knoxville drops down off the ring apron. And once Sami Zayn turns around, you see Ricochet hit Sami Zayn with Ahuna Karana for the win. And boy, oh boy, do we get uh, fans cheering for Ricochet. I am in my seat. I am happy because I remember point blank. I said in my, uh, I don't know if it was the ending of 2021, the in-year review. Awards or the beginning of the wrestling highlights of the week for 2022. I gave the wrestler of the WWE that you need to look out for in 2022 was Ricochet. And boy, oh boy, I don't know if somebody in Stanford or somebody in Florida was listening to me. If Stanford, WWE, Florida, WWE as well, the NXT territory, but they got two creative teams anyway, and they were in Miami on SmackDown. But WWE does have plans for Ricochet. I'm hoping that it continues to stretch out throughout the rest of the year because, boy, oh, boy, we finally get to see Ricochet at the top. Well, he's in the mid-card spot right now, but he's holding the top mid-card title with a lot of lineage around it. And with Ricochet holding that belt, I can see them having Ricochet in some classic matches with certain people if they do it right. And this isn't me being harsh at WWE. This is me just being direct with them. Do Ricochet right. You guys have him in the Intercontinental Championship. You guys have him with that. Please do him right. Please let Ricochet hold on to that title for a long time because he is a human highlight reel. Use Ricochet for the human highlight reel that he is. Let him put on these standout, incredible matches. Shoot, you can even have him and Sami Zayn run it back and they will have an incredible match. They had a great match on SmackDown, but... The caliber that Sammy and Ricochet could have, they could have an incredible one without somebody interfering in the match like Johnny Knoxville did. But again, I am happy that Ricochet is the Intercontinental Champion, and this was a great way to start off SmackDown. After this matchup, we will see Sami Zayn in the back throwing a fit, and he's talking about how Knoxville kept on following him, whether it be on Instagram uh, whatever he puts something up on Instagram, Knoxville has a comment on it, and it's basically just getting under Sammy's skin. So Sammy looks into the camera, and he challenges Knoxville to a match at Mania. Later in the night, Knoxville would have a backstage interview, and he would basically accept the challenge. So at Mania, we are getting Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville, which we all knew what was kind of happened, but we don't have it for the Dakota Championship, so I'm glad for that. 
After this, we would get Austin Theory walking down to the ring because on Pat McAfee's show on Thursday, Vince McMahon was there, and Vince McMahon gave Pat McAfee the opportunity of a lifetime. He said that since Pat McAfee is a fan and he that the fans love what Pat McAfee is doing, he wants to give Pat McAfee a opportunity to wrestle at WrestleMania. Pat McAfee said yes, so... Pat McAfee does have a match at Mania, so we're just trying to see who is going to be his challenger, and this is where Austin Theory comes in. Austin Theory comes down to the ring. He talks about how Mr. McMahon has everything planned out and laid out. Mr. McMahon just isn't nice for you, nice to you for any reason. He walks over to Pat and tells Pat point blank that Austin Theory is Pat McAfee's wrestling, uh, WrestleMania opponent, slaps Pat across the face, then walks away. And it does get announced later in the night that Pat McAfee's WrestleMania challenger is Austin Theory. And I'm glad for Pat to have this opportunity because, again, Pat McAfee was able to show out two years ago at NXT. When he had his match with Adam Cole, great matchup on NXT uh, TakeOver, I believe that was 30. And at War Games when it was him, uh, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and... Danny Birch going against the Undisputed Era at War Games. And Pat McAfee was able to show off a clinic on that. He jumped off the freaking cage and hit a swanton, for Christ's sakes, onto everybody in the ring. So, again, Pat McAfee is fearless, and he's able to do what he got to do. But he actually does have some ring. Uh, he has the skills to pay the bills as a celebrity getting into the wrestling ring. So, I'm glad for Pat to have this opportunity. I truly am. After this, we will have Naomi with Sasha Banks in her corner going against Carmella, who has Queen Selena in her corner. Naomi will win the match by pinfall when she hits the split-legged moonsault on Carmella for the win because this is building up to their match at Mania where Naomi and Sasha Banks will be challenging Carmella and Queen Selena for the Women's Tag Team Championships at Mania. After this, we had Drew McIntyre going against Jinder Mahal, who has Shanky in his corner. Drew will win the match by pinfall when he hits the Claymore on Jinder Mahal for the win. After this, we had Rick Boogs come out, and he's out here to do his usual thing, introduce Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura comes out, Rick Boogs is jamming out, but they get jumped by the Usos. The Usos beat them up, and they're doing this so they can clear out of the way so Roman Reigns can have his time in the ring so he can say what he got to say. So... Now it's time for a Roman Reigns promo. And before I get to that, I just want to... Matter of fact, no, I'll get to that. And then I'll bring back to something. Roman Reigns in-ring promo. Roman talks about how on Saturday, which is tonight, they will be at Madison Square Garden. And him and Brock Lesnar will be defending their championships at Madison Square Garden. But the difference is Roman Reigns knows he's going to smash his opponent. But the tricky part is... Will Brock be able to hold on to his WWE Championship and make it to WrestleMania? Roman says that he hopes that Brock does retain his championship and make it to Mania so that he can beat Brock at Mania. And then he, Roman goes on to say that he's going to call his shot just the exact same way that he did last year at WrestleMania. He says that at this year's WrestleMania, he is going to smash Brock pin Brock, stand over Brock with both the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship as $5 million worth of pyro goes off around him. And he will finish off by saying this. 
And Brock's don't have no choice but to acknowledge me. At WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar will acknowledge me. So as you can see, you can tell that Roman Reigns is kind of becoming unhinged because Brock Lesnar is getting under the skin of Roman Reigns and he finally wants to get rid of Brock. And we'll have to see what happens next week. Hopefully tonight when their Madison Square Garden event which I'm surprised that they're running on the network, which is Peacock, and they're not running it there, which is nutso to me because they're making this thing like a big, big thing, like something big is supposed to happen. So if you're in the New York era, New York area, and you are happy to get a Madison Square Garden ticket, please save on to that ticket. Please know you're going to witness something tonight, I believe, because WWE is hyping it up so much on television. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to look on Twitter and more or less somebody's probably going to post up something that happened and I'll let you guys know uh, next time you hear from me about what happened. Anyway, after this and Roman leaves out of the ring, it's time for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship matchup between the Challengers, the Viking Raiders, going against the champions, the Usos. The Usos will win the match by pinfall when they hit the 1D on the Viking Raiders for the win. And you know what? This is going to lead to the Usos losing the tag team titles to Nakamura and Boogs. Because Nakamura and Boogs getting attacked by the Usos, that just doesn't happen randomly. I told you guys this before. I said this like months ago in a couple episodes. Every time I will always see Nakamura and every time they will always have Boogs with them. Every time. I knew where they were headed with this. I knew that they liked Boogs so much. And I said that they were doing nothing with the Intercontinental Championship with Nakamura on them. I said, drop the title. And then you could have Boogs and Nakamura win the tag titles because you like Boogs so much. And you can still keep those two together. And you should also enhance Boogs because he become a champion. So I see this exactly where this is headed. I see the Usos going against Nakamura and Boogs for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And... I see Nakamura and Boogs more or less probably going to win it at Mania. That's where I am uh, seeing that headed. Anyway, after this, it's time for Big E with Kofi Kingston in his corner going against Sheamus with Ridge Holland in his corner. Uh, Big E will win the match by ring out, but this happens by shenanigans means because Ridge Holland and Sheamus attack both E and Kingston, and they happen to steal Big E's ATV. Yes, Big E has an ATV because last week Kofi Kingston gifted it to him because it was Big E's birthday last week. And Big E rolled around on it last week and they had a little backstage thing with Ridge and Sheamus. I thought that wasn't going to lead to nowhere, but this happened to prove me wrong. So I was wrong on this. Then we would get footage uh, later of Sheamus and Ridge Holland destroying the ATV, setting up for a tag team match next week of Kofi and Big E going against Ridge Holland and Sheamus. After this, now it's time for the main event of SmackDown. Ronda Rousey going against Sonya Deville. Charlotte Flair was out here on commentary. Long story short, Ronda wins the match by submission when she makes Sonya Deville tap out to the armbar. During the match, you would have Charlotte constantly say that Ronda only has one move. She's a one-trick pony, the armbar. So Charlotte knows how to basically try to avoid the armbar. 
After the match, Ronda looks at Charlotte and tells her to get in the ring. Charlotte, like, plays around and says, you want me to get in the ring? And then, ultimately, Charlotte gets in the ring. And Ronda rushes over to Charlotte, grabs her in some type of judo-type thing, grabs her by the leg, and applies the ankle lock. And now you have Charlotte tapping out in the ankle lock. She's tapping out, and Ronda lets go. Charlotte rolls out of the ring. And that's how we end SmackDown. But here's poetic justice to me. If you remember Ronda Rousey coming into WWE three years ago, well, not three years ago, because that would have been 2019, four years ago in 2018, she had a WrestleMania match. It was her first match, and it was her and Kurt Angle going against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. It's only poetic justice that she would use the ankle lock and her first like, Mania match was with Kurt Angle as her tag partner, and this will be her first Mania match back. And if she happens to win by the ankle lock and making Charlotte tap out at WrestleMania using the ankle lock, it only would be poetic for that because it will give wrestling fans that pay attention to those little minute details. It will give us like, oh, okay, I like how they did that. And they are making you understand and making you think about, okay, and making you connect the nuggets. But again, that's only the wrestling nerd side uh, if you want to divulge in that. But again, SmackDown was great. SmackDown was fine. If you have a chance, look at Ricochet going against Sami Zayn. You won't be disappointed in it. Now, on to AEW Rampage. Uh, We start off with a triple threat match for the TNT Championship. It was Andrade going against Darby Allin. Going against the champion, Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara would win the match by pinfall when Darby would hit a stunner on Andrade. Sammy then would grab Andrade and hit the GTH. Sammy would then get thrown out of the ring by Darby Allen. And then Darby would get to the top turnbuckle, hit a coffin drop on Andrade. And as Darby is pitting Andrade, you see Sammy jump off and hit a swanton bomb on the back of Darby Allen. Then throw Darby Allen off of Andrade and pit Andrade for the win. Uh, this was a great match between all three of these men. It was basically two of the smaller guys, Sammy and Darby, trying to team up against the biggest man in the uh, match, Andrade, who also can work uh, Lucha Libre and high-flying, just like Darby and Sammy Guevara. This was a great three-man uh, matchup between these three guys. And if my... And if I were to say anything, I would want them to run this triple threat match back. Because, again, great triple threat match. I just wish that they get to run it back. We'll have to see later later down the line if they do. But if they don't, great, great triple threat match for the TNT Championship. After the match, you will see Sammy Guevara holding both TNT titles. He goes over to Darby, try to shake Darby's hand. But Darby just looks at Sammy and then rolls out of the ring. And this puts a nice little wrinkle onto the dynamic of Darby and Sting and Sammy because at Revolution, it's supposed to be a six-man, no-DQ, like, tornado tag match of Andrade and Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy going against Sting, Darby Allen, and Sammy. So we're going to have to see how that plays out at Revolution. After this, we have Alex Albrahantes, Pac, and Penta, do an in-ring promo, and it's basically Alex is saying that the Death Triangle is out here to challenge the House of Black to a match of revolution. The House of Black 
show up on a Titan Tron and say it's honorable for Alex to want to take the spot of Phoenix since Phoenix isn't around and that Alex's uh, sacrifice will be a great uh, offering to the House of Black. So then the lights go out. You see the House of Black pop up on the ring apron and they look like they're about to get in the ring. But Alex has to tell them to hold on. Who says I was going to be in the match? He tells the House of Black that you have your monster, which you're referring to Brody King. And we have our monster. Alex leaves the ring. And on the Titan it says Eric Redbeard. And for people that don't know, that's the formerly Eric Rowan of WWE. The same Eric Rowan that teamed up with Brody Lee, formerly known as Luke Harper in WWE, when they were in WWE, when they were with Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. Eric comes down to the ring. Eric is joining Pac and Penta. And security tries to get in the ring to separate the House of Black from Penta, Pac, and Eric. But Eric just demolishes all of security. And you get all six of these guys brawling with each other. But Eric was able to take out all of House of Black and send them out of the ring. So this is going to lead you to what's known as basically the six-man matchup at Revolution. And it's going to be on their uh, buy-in, which is basically their pre-show. So that's going to be a good uh, six-man pre-show uh, matchup to watch. With a lot of like pay-per-view quality talent on there. Uh, Pac, Penta, Brody King, uh, oh my God, Buddy Murph, Buddy Matthews, Malachi Black, See, those guys are already pay-per-view talent guys, and just for them to be on the buy-in, yo, that tells you something how stacked this AEW card is at Revolution, but I'll get more into that whenever I get into the uh, Revolution predictions. After this, we will have Keith Lee going against J.D. Drake, and this is two big hosses just battling with each other. This wasn't your squash match that you think you're going to get because Keith Lee comes in. He's the big superstar. J.D. Drake is like one of the underlings. He's on the undercard type situations. You think it's going to be a quick squash? No. This is a straight Haas versus Haas. Two big dudes just going at it. Keith Lee wins the match by pinfall when he catches J.D. Drake coming off the second turnbuckle and turns it into the Big Bang catastrophe for the win. After the match, you see the wingman, which is Ryan Nemeth, uh, Cesar Bononi and Peter Avalon getting in the ring to beat up on Keith Lee. But Keith Lee was able to hold his own. He was able to take out all of the wingmen. And while Ryan Nemeth, Cesar Bononi, and J.D. Drake's on the outside of the ring, he grabs Peter Avalon and hip tosses him over the top rope onto the wingmen. And that's just your basic, that's your like final presentation of the wingmen. They're always like on the bottom tier of the rung, but Keith Lee used them in a nice way for this. After this, we have the Professor 5-Minute Challenge. Serena Deed going against Layla Gray. Serena Deed will win the match by submission when she locks in Layla Gray with a guillotine choke. And it, I believe she had four minutes and three seconds left. After the match, Serena locks in the Serenity Lock on Gray and won't let go or two. Hikaru Shida comes back and makes a return. And she comes down to the ring with the kendo stick, start attacking uh, Serena with the kendo stick, and that's basically it. You just have Sheeta basically now on her war path, just trying to get back to uh, Serena D, the same woman that put her out on the shelf uh, last month. Now it's time for the main event, the last 
face of the Revolution qualifying matchup between Christian Cage and Ethan Page. Christian will win the match by pinfall when Ethan looks to hit the Eagles edge on Christian, but Christian counters out of it, hits the kill switch, and that's it. So now in the face of Revolution ladder match, we have Orange Cassidy, Warlow, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Keith Lee, and Christian Cage. So this is going to be a a pretty interesting ladder match. After the match, you see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus come down and they get in the ring to celebrate with Christian. Then you see the Young Bucks and Red Dragon come walking down to the ring. And it looks like they're about to get in the ring, but they quickly scoop in the ring and grab the tag titles. And now you have Red Dragon holding one belt. You have the Young Bucks holding another belt. They realize this. Red Dragon and the Young Bucks start getting in each other's face. Luchasaurus grabs the tag titles back from them. And Jungle Boy jumps out of the ring onto the Young Bucks and the Red Dragon. And that's how Rampage ends. Again, this is a great, this is a nice solid build up towards their Revolution's pay-per-view that's happening Sunday. And without further ado, now it's time for the predictions. Let me start off with Impact Wrestling's Sacrifice uh, event, which happens tonight, Saturday. Uh, we have Alex Shelley going against Jay White. Jay White's going to win because he's on this big tour in U.S. And he's on New Japan television, and he's a big star. He's a main event guy in New Japan. Alex Shelley's a veteran, so he has no problem, I believe, losing to Jay White. After this, uh, for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championships, the Inspiration going against the Influence. I have the Inspiration winning, and with Caleb with a K, probably turning on the Influence to join the Inspiration. After this, for the X Division Championship matchup, Trey Miguel going against Jake something. I see Trey Miguel holding on to the X Division title until they bring in like another like high high flyer that they have seen to have a lot of uh, big ideas for. Until then, Trey Miguel is going to hold on to the X Division Championship. Moose going against Heath for the Impact World Championship. I have Moose retaining the championship, beating Heath. Uh, the Good Brothers going against Violence by Design for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. The Good Brothers retaining the tag titles over Violence by Design. Rhino versus Eddie Edwards. I have Eddie Edwards beating Rhino. Jonah going against PCO. I have Jonah beating PCO. Mickey James versus Tasha Steels for the Impact Knockouts Championship. I have Tasha Steels winning the Knockouts Championship because this goes back into uh, Chelsea Green and Mickey James having that little stare off with each other. After Chelsea lost to Tasha Steeles on Impact this week. And Mickey James didn't help out Chelsea whenever Chelsea was gotten beat down by Savannah Evans. Even though Chelsea did tell Mickey do not interfere. So I see Chelsea turning on Mickey and joining her husband Matt Cardona in the bad guy bad girl situation. And clicking up the same way that they're doing all in the independence on GCW and every independent show. That's how I see that happening. And Deanna Perrazzo defending either the AAA Reina de Reina's championship or the Ring of Honor Women's Championship against a mysterious opponent. I don't know who it is. I still hope for Big Swole to come in and go against Deanna Perrazzo. And Deanna Perrazzo is going to win it because I don't see them trying to take any of those belts off of her yet. So that is my impact uh, sacrifice predictions. Now on to AEW Revolution's predictions. Uh, I, I'm i only going to do one pre-show match because 
Ah, uh, Hook going against QT Marshall. We already know Hook's going to win it. Lillard versus Chris Statlander. That's the tallest up in the air. And personally, that should have been on Dynamite. Okay. Uh, House of Black going against Death Triangle with Eric Redbeard. That's the one I'm going to uh, give my prediction to. I have the House of Black winning that because this is uh, Brody King's first pay-per-view showing appearance. This is Buddy Matthews' first pay-per-view appearance compared to what this is Eric Redbeard's first pay-per-view appearance. And this is only gonna be probably going to be a one-off for Eric. So I have the House of Black winning this. Now time for the actual pay-per-view. The matches on the card. Uh, Jay Cargill going against Ty Conti for the TBS Championship. Jay Cargill is going to win that. Six-man tornado tag match. The AFO, the AHFO, Andrade, Matt, and Isaiah Cassidy going against Darby, Sting, and Sammy. I see Andrade, Matt, and Isaiah beating Darby, Sting, and Sammy because I have a feeling Darby's going to play a little bit of a bad guy here and probably do something devious towards Sammy in this matchup. But Sting's going to have to question what's up with Darby. Um, Jurassic Express going against Red Dragon, going against the Young Bucks and the Triple Threat for the AEW World Championship. I see Jurassic Express winning this. I don't see either Red Dragon or the Young Bucks winning it yet, personally. But if the Jurassic Express doesn't win, I see Red Dragon winning it. Because this goes into my conclusion later on in the night. And you already probably know where I'm going with this, so I'm going to do it now. Hangman going against Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. I have Adam Cole winning over Hangman. No disrespect to Hangman, but your title reign hasn't been the best. And personally, to me, it's been one of the lowest ranking like title reigns in AEW's like history, to be honest with you. And that's sad because Hangman had all this fanfare going in. We all knew what the story was of him and Kenny. And we all knew he was supposed to be the one to beat Kenny for the AEW World Championship. He does it. And we're thinking this is going to be a big thing. And he's going to have this great reign. He hasn't had a great reign. Yes, he's had two great matches with Brian Danielson. Great. He's had a great Texas Death Match with uh, Lance Archer. Great. But storyline building up to the Lance Archer one wasn't that great. Him and Brian Danielson was great. But him, after beating Kenny Omega, he was off television for a, a good amount of time. And even after he beat Brian Danielson, off television for a good amount of time. And it took Adam Gold to pop out to now start off with him and Paige. And that happened, what, last in last month in February? Yeah, Adam Cole's going to win it. Sorry, Paige, it ain't no disrespect to you is how just basically what it is with AEW and the booking uh, creative in that part. I just wish they would do something better for you on that. I have a feeling you're going to win the championship back later, but now you're going to lose it to Adam Cole. Uh, John Moxley going against Brian Danielson. Uh, John Moxley winning this. This is John Moxley's first match coming back since uh he came back from his uh little stint in rehab. I see John Moxley coming and winning this, and this will be a good, nice uh match for him. And I see him and Brian both spilling some blood in this. Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. I have Kingston winning this with help from proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz. Uh, this is what I believe where Jericho's going to go completely nutso, psychopath. He's probably going to kick Kingston in the balls, hit him with the Judas effect after the match. And proud and powerful just going to look at him like, how could you, bro? That's how I see it. I still see Kingston winning it, 
But if he doesn't win it, Jericho's probably going to do like some DQ finish and probably kick uh, Kingston in the nuts. Anyway, Kingston's winning. Face the Revolution ladder match. Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Christian Cage, or Ricky Starks. I'm putting my money on Ricky Starks. Just like Ricochet, I had Ricochet being WWE's 2022 guy to look out in 2022. I had Ricky Starks be my 2022 guy to be on the lookout for in AEW. And for him to be in this ladder match, that already proves it to me that they have some stock in Ricky Starks. Warlow, it could, they, I could say they're going to lean in with Warlow to build off the MJF and Warlow situation, but that would be already too easy. And they like to uh, throw in these kind of things. And Warlow's already big right now. And MJF isn't going to be the guy to be like, oh, I'm going to uh, go after the TNT title. No, he's more of a big world championship type picture type guy, MJF, the whole character. So I see Ricky Starks winning this. Britt Baker going against Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship. I have Thunder Rosa winning this. Britt Baker is almost on the exact same vein as the Young Bucks uh, were going into um, All Out. Britt Baker has beaten every woman in the women's division except for Jay Cargo because they haven't had a match. But other than that, she's beaten everybody else. She's never beaten uh, Thunder Rosa. So I see Thunder Rosa beating her and holding on to that AEW Women's Championship. CM Punk versus MGF, dog collar matchup. CM Punk is going to beat up on MGF, and that's the way I see it. If they have MGF winning this, I'll be shocked by it, to be completely honest with you. I see Punk winning this, and then we're going to get one more matchup between Punk and MGF, or they're going to have these two basically separate, and uh, Warlow basically jumping into the standpoint of Punk and him going against MGF. But I see Punk winning this. That's the way I see this. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I want to, again, it sounds like I'm on payroll. Or I just have an infatuation or something like that. But I do want to give, again, another uh, thing towards the Public Enemies podcast because they are doing a sit-down interview with AJ Francis, Francis, formerly known as Top Dollar of WWE fame and Hit Row. They will be having him on an interview on YouTube on Monday. I want everybody to please check that out. Again, Public Enemies Podcast, great three-man podcast, great guys. I want everybody to please go check them out. Um, and they, I want to continuously do say, please check them out. Because, again, they could have easily said something to me about, hey, yo, don't be doing that. You copied our style for the black wrestlers, uh, giving them flowers, ganking that. But they didn't. They actually showed me some love. on. Uh, I messaged them. They were cool with it. So I'm glad for that. So, again, Check out their podcast and check out their interview with AJ Francis on Monday. And also, Pat McAvee, he had a sit-down interview with Vince McMahon Thursday. I saw this sit-down interview, great interview by Pat McAvee, and it was great to see Vince McMahon basically be human. We all see Vince McMahon as this robotic type guy, this guy that's basically heartless. This is Vince McMahon persona that we see them on television. And we heard from how uh, wrestlers talk about him, uh, former creative guys working in the backstage, whether it be former guys on commentary or former guys 
uh, that will work with booking or any of that type of stuff. They'll be on their podcast talking about how, how Vince would be this and that, how he's a, a workaholic, he doesn't sleep and all this type of stuff. Listen, if you want to hear Vince be a human, go and watch him talk with Pat McAfee. Yes, he's a old man completely. I get it. But he's actually able to have a great sit-down interview with Pat McAfee. He's actually able to be personable and actually get a nice, good feeling from Vince McMahon in that sit-down interview. And I'm just glad to see a personable Vince McMahon. We all see him as Vince McMahon from the television. I am glad just to see him be broken down as a regular human being. He is a regular guy. And the one thing that I do take away from it is that you can't be afraid to talk to Vince McMahon. You have to nut up and take your chances and swing at the fences when you talk to Vince. If you're going to talk to him about anything, if you're going to talk to him with a business opportunity, you got to have your nuts up and talk to him. If you want to talk to him about doing something creative, you got to have your nuts up and talk to him. You can't be afraid. And also, he broke down the difference between a professional wrestler and a WWE wrestler. People tweeted it out. I took it the wrong way until I listened to it. And when he broke it down, I understood it. He talked about how anybody could be a professional wrestler, whether it be a good one or a bad one. But when you're a WWE superstar, WWE wrestler, you're on television, you're entertaining the fans, you are becoming a character. You are becoming something bigger than yourself, something bigger than straight professional wrestling, straight wrestling itself. And you're able to hopefully reach the status points like some of the other greats of the Rocks, the Austins, the Takers. But here's my thing with that as well. When you're in WWE, you have some limitations on you until you decide to nut up and take your chances and swing for the fences. I always got to reiterate, Xavier Woods, he did what he had to do. He put himself out there on the line and he told Vince McMahon back in 2014, hey, let me take the New Day into a different direction. Let me get these guys booed. Let us turn the New Day into a bad guy unit the way that the fans want us and that everybody well, boo Kofi Kingston, all this stuff. You can listen to it. You know what I'm talking about. Go to YouTube. It's on the New Day podcast. They talked about it. And Vince allowed them to do it, and they ran with it, and they've been a group, and they've been loved and beloved ever since. So, again, once you talk to Vince, you got to nut up. Just go in there, and please uh, just do your best to talk to him. Don't rush in like, hey, I got to talk to you. No, be respectable, but be assertive when you talk to him. Have all the respect in the world, but be assertive. Don't make yourself look like a punk in front of Vince. You got to show some authority in that when you talk to Vince, because Vince likes that authoritative type style. Again, you take that away from the Pat McAfee uh, interview. So with all that being said, listen to the Pat McAfee interview with Vince McMahon. If you haven't seen it, it's a great, great sit down interview. Makes Vince look personable. And also, this Monday, listen to the Public Enemies podcast on Monday, YouTube episode, Behind Enemy Lines with AJ Francis. I'm going to be watching it, and I'm hoping to see what what they're going to be talking about. Now, with all that being said, let me get you guys out of here. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at, at My2Podcast. Instagram, My2CentsPodcast, G2. Uh, email me. You can email me, and my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, you can email me about anything, whether you're sad, depressed, happy, you want to say something, you don't know who to say it to. 
I am your guy. Any type of conversation that we have, it will stay between me and you. I have my email out there to the world so anybody can email me because you know what? People are out here. They need somebody to talk to and they don't know who to talk to. I'm that guy. And also for business opportunities as well. If a business wants to contact me about anything, hey, I'm here and I'd be glad to uh, take your uh, business and talk with you about it. I want to thank Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, uh, Audible, and Amazon Music. Again, these five uh, major podcasting uh, locations have allowed me to be who I am, say what I want to say, and they haven't took none of my episodes down. I truly appreciate it, and I thank them for doing that, and they have allowed me to reach audiences in other areas. Again, I have now reached over into the Ukraine market. I've hit Greece. I've hit the Netherlands. I've hit Australia. I've hit uh, Canada. I've hit in America, almost all 50 states in America. So I want to thank that. Again, this podcast is slowly starting to reach around the world, and I am grateful for that. We haven't hit Mexico yet. Once we do, I'll let you guys know, because again, once I do hit that, then I will say we've hit all of North America. But again, I want to thank all, I want to thank those five big podcasting uh, locations, and I also want to thank you guys, the fans, for listening to me. You guys will be getting an AEW Revolution uh, podcast Monday. I will be giving you my review of it and what I think is going to happen in the future. Now, with that being said, I have a Sunday podcast coming out tomorrow, Sunday. Please tune in. It's called, um, I believe the episode is called Takeaway. I talk about different things. Again, still prayers out to the Ukraine people. Hope you guys are uh, being safe out there and have some shelter. Please. Uh, find that and please for everybody please pray for them because again Ukraine's did not ask for this invasion so again please pray for them now with that being said I hope everybody has a great Saturday uh, again tune in to my Sunday episode and tune in to the Monday episode where you'll hear from me talk about revolution in the review now this has been wrestling highlights of the week presented by my two cents podcast hosted by G2 he is I and I am him I love you guys have a great Saturday and Kanye can you please Take these people home. I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.